Now, we have been working our way through 1 Peter. We're actually into chapter 3. We're just going to look at a few verses today. And what we're looking at is this whole issue of, yes, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Yes, you realize that there is something for you later on where you're going to be with the Lord. But right now, in the meantime, you're here in this world. You're living in this world. You're working. You're doing whatever. You're in your family groups or whatever. But in the meantime, you're here. How are you supposed to live while you're here? And we've been looking at that as we've gone through this passage. Now, in chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, which is where we were a few weeks ago, he was telling us that we needed to live honorably before unbelievers. We need to live in such a way that would bring honor to God to unbelievers. And so over the last few weeks, we've looked in the following verses after that, he talked about how we're to live with, with respect to our government and in society. He talked about how we're to live in an unfair world as far as the frame of reference of those being slaves, how they were to live in an unfair, unfair world that they were to live in. We even talked about last week about how we're to live in our marriages, and that is we're to live honorably before unbelievers even in our marriages. Now, he's going to kind of wrap it up in verses 8 to 12 to talk about how we're to live with others. Because the fact of the matter is, is you live with others. Nobody here is an island to themselves. If you were an island to themselves, you wouldn't even be here today. You wouldn't have interaction with anybody. But the fact of the matter is, is you're a relational being and you interact with people every day, whether it's family, whether it's people you work with, whether it's the clerk at Walmart, guy who pumps your gas or, or takes your money at the gas station or, or whatever, you interact with people all the time. And because you are a follower of Jesus, because you're a believer in him and you're here just for the moment, you're to live your life for him. You've got to know, how do I live with others? And specifically, he's going to talk about two groups of others. He's going to talk about those who are believers. How do you live with other people who call on the name of Jesus? And then how do you live with the rest of the world? And we're going to see that here in this passage. So if you have your Bible, it's up on the screen. We're going to look at verses 8 through 12. So look at what he says in verse 8. Finally, all of you... Be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord is on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. What we're going to do, folks, is we're going to take these verses and we're going to divide them into two sections. We're going to look at one verse, verse 8, and talk about how we are to be with each other, with believers. And that's very important. And then we're going to look at verses 9 to 12, and we're going to talk about how we are to be towards the rest of the world. So let's talk about how we are to be with each other as believers. You say, well, George, I already know that. We're supposed to love each other. 
Well, yeah, we're to love each other, but there's a little bit more meat to it than just simply say we're to love each other. Because here's what can happen. We can come together in church, and for the moment we could say to each other, Oh, I love you. I love you in Jesus. Oh, I love you. Kissy, kissy. But leave here, get in the car, and you're like, Do you believe how they acted towards me today? Can you believe that she wore that? It's the same dress that I'm wearing. I was hiding under the pew because of that. Yes, ladies, you do think that way. Guys could wear the same shirt we couldn't even care less. We'd say, hey, yours doesn't even have a stain on it. Wonderful. Right? Isn't that what we do? So loving the brothers or sisters in Christ is not just a statement that we make. There has to be some meat to it. There has to be some actions there. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to see that here in verse 8. In fact, look with me again at verse 8 because he says five things here. This is what's interesting. Five things that you and I need to be doing with each other. Listen to what the five are. Verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous. Now let's look at these. Five things. Here's the first one. We're called to live in harmony with each other. We're called to live in harmony with each other. First thing he says in verse 8 is be of one mind. Now as soon as I say that, many people assume that means that I need to think like the guy across the aisle from me. That we need to think the same way. No. No. Seriously. In a room this size, I can almost guarantee you that you have differing opinions on differing things. So some of you are for the Steelers. Then there are a few of you who are for other teams, right? And you tolerate each other in the love of Jesus, right? Isn't that true? But you're not, like, obviously Bruce knows what team, he's, he, every time he comes, he has it on, okay? If I were to say to him, Bruce, are you going to embrace the Steelers? His comment would be what? No. Now the rest of you would say, why? That's the only team. Well, he thinks the only team is the one he's wearing this morning, okay? Which, by the way, he'll say, won the Super Bowl last time, Okay? He's an Eagles fan. All right. But here's the point. All right, that's one we laugh about, but what about politics? That's tearing our nation apart right now. Can't help but see that. Politics is tearing our nation. So maybe you're here and you, you're, you're very much a Democrat. Wonderful. If you're very much here, you might be a Republican. Wonderful. You might be here and you're a nobody. There are those, right? And the problem is, is, does that mean being of one mind that I need to agree with each other? Because that's not going to happen. Does everybody recognize that? That that's not going to happen? I mean, you could even be from the same party and not agree with each other, right? That's not what he's talking about. When he talks about being of one mind, he's really actually, as some of the translations bring out, he's talking about living in harmony with each other. Now, what does that mean? Well, one of the things is we tolerate each other. Do you understand what I'm saying? We tolerate each other's viewpoints and positions. 
We try to live in harmony with each other. Now what guides us in that harmony and living with each other is the one thing that we all share, which is what, folks? Jesus. He's the basis of our unity. It's not our politics. It's not what team we root for. It's not even what part of the county you live in. It has to do with what? Jesus. So he says, if I'm going to honor God before unbelievers, I need to live in harmony with each other, with, with, with other believers, with other followers of Christ. Fact, folks, isn't that what Jesus was saying? This is why it's so important. John, he says this, by this shall they know that you are my disciples, by your what? Love for one another. You want to know how you love one another? First of all, you live in harmony with each other. The basis of our unity is always who? Jesus. Jesus. Here's the second thing he says. Look with me at verse 8. Look again. Here's what he says. He says, of course, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Some translations talk about having sympathy for one another. So here's what I want you to see. Second thing, if we're going to express love for one another, it's got to be practical. It's got to be real. It's got to be more than just words. Because we can sit here all day and tell each other, well, I love you, but not do anything for each other. Here's what it is. We must be sympathetic and willing to share in the needs of others. We must be sympathetic and willing to share in the needs of others. That's what he's talking about here. When we talk about being compassionate, what the New King James says, we're talking about love and action. And it means that I'm going to sympathize with what's going on in your life. And I'm going to share in your needs. Do you understand? Now, as soon as I say that, well, that means I've got to open my wallet. No, not necessarily. If that's the way you view things, you're always going to view things that way and you're going to mess out because sometimes sharing in needs is not necessarily opening your wallet. A lot of times it may be, but a lot of times it may simply be what? Being there and helping them in some way. But in order for that to take place, you need to be sympathetic towards them. Do you understand? You need to be sympathetic towards them. So let me just go ahead and say this. We come in here Sunday after Sunday. We gather for worship. We, we, we sing songs, we slap each other's backs, we high-five each other, we smile. But the reality is, is maybe you're not aware of it, but would you be shocked to know that there might be a portion of the folks here who are going through something, who are wondering how they're going to get through it, who are dealing with stuff that they don't know how to deal with, and they're just putting on a smile because that's what you're supposed to do when you come to church. But the reality is, is that there are people sitting right around you that are what? hurting, who are trying to cope, who just want to know that somebody, what, cares. And see, what Peter is saying to us here is not just that we live in harmony with each other, but that we're sympathetic towards each other, that we are willing to share in their needs. So let me ask you a question. When you walked in here this morning, were you looking for how somebody was going to minister to you? Or were you walking in here this morning with an eye to what the needs are around you and how can you help somebody in the midst of what they're going through? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because if you came in here looking for some kind of a blessing, I'm going to tell you, after a while, you're going to be disappointed. 
But if you came in here to be a blessing to somebody, you might be shocked at what God will show you about how you can minister to somebody. Because whether you realize it or not, right around you, I can almost guarantee you, in the proximity of where you're sitting is somebody with a need who needs to know that they're loved. And if we're going to live honorably before unbelievers, and if we're going to show them that we love each other, we've got to put some word, we've got to put some feet to it, don't we? Not just words. Here's the third thing. Look with me at the passage. It's not just being compassionate, that is having sympathy for each other. Look at verse 8. Love as brothers. Love as brothers. Okay, what's he talking about here? Well, we, we must love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. We must love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean being sappy with each other? No. No. No, not at all. I think you know what it means. I think if you really thought about it for a moment, you would understand it. So let me ask you a question. Who's your closest friend in your life? Now, guys don't like to say they love each other because that's weird, right? However, I can tell you right now, there's some men in my life that I would say, I love them. They're my friends. Did you understand what I'm saying? And, and I love them because they're there for me. And I will be there for them. That's what we're talking, that's the kind of, it's, the word here actually is, we have a city name for it in Pennsylvania, it's Philadelphia, brotherly love. That's what he's talking about here, phileo. He's talking about a brotherly love. He says, for, as believers, we, we don't just live in harmony with each other. We don't just have sympathy towards each other. We love each other with a brotherly love. Do you understand? And so we're to love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. That is, that we would be willing to do whatever for them. Sometimes, can I be honest with you? That brotherly love can even be more stronger than family love. Really? Yes. Yes. Sometimes the friendships between friends can be stronger than even the relationships between brother and sister or brother and brother, right? You've seen that. This is what he's talking about here in this passage. He's not just talking about having love and word, but that you would be willing to do whatever for them because they're your friend. Let's go on. Here's the fourth one. So we've seen three things now. Living in harmony with each other, being sympathetic, loving each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's the third, fourth one. We must be tender-hearted towards each other. Look at what he says, verse 8. Verse 8, be tender-hearted. Now, okay, you know, for, for the longest time I would read that and be like, oh, tender-hearted, what does that mean? What does that mean, tender-hearted? What does tenderhearted mean? Well, I had a big aha moment this week. Let me tell you what it means. I think if I tell you the definition, I think you'll understand. You ever have a soft spot for somebody? I have a soft spot for them. Because you have a soft spot for them, would you be willing to do whatever for them? Yeah, because you have a what for them? A soft spot. Where's this soft spot? Is it between your ribs? I have a lot of soft spot here, you can tell, right? Okay? 
Where's the soft spot? It means you're soft-hearted. Isn't that what we're talking about, being tender-hearted? Because the tendency is, with most people, we're what? Hard-hearted. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're hard-hearted. That is, we don't have time for anybody else. We only have time for ourselves and, and those people that we have, what, a soft spot for. So really that's what he's talking about. He's talking about that you, as as believers in Jesus, if you're going to live honorably before an unsaved world, you don't just have to live in harmony with each other. You don't have to be sympathetic and, and be available in their needs. You don't have to just love them. You have to have a soft spot for them. You have to be there for them. Wow, isn't that wouldn't that be amazing if 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 we had a church of people that had a soft spot for each other? Wouldn't that be amazing? Isn't that what he's calling us to here? And then finally, he's got one more one more thing he's going to tell us here before I go on and talk about how we're to be with the rest of the world. Okay, I want you to look with me at that final thing he says in verse eight: "Be courteous." Oh, that just means having manners, George. No, 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 no. Actually, has a little bit deeper meaning. Here's the point I want you to see. We must not place ourselves above others. Some translations will say, "Be humble." Be humble. You know what? If you're going to interact with people, and if you're going to interact with people in a way that Christ is calling you to interact with them, it's going to require that you do this last point. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because in order for you to live in harmony with other people, in order for you to be sympathetic to their needs so that you can join in their needs and be a support to them, in order for you to love other people, in order for you to have a soft spot for anyone, you're going to have to swallow the biggest thing that you struggle with, and that is, are you ready for this, your pride. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because a lot of times in our human interactions with each other, we may act like we're thinking about other people, but we're only thinking about who, folks? Ourselves. And what he's talking about here is if we're going to live honorably before the Lord, we've got to put others before ourselves. See, that's what humility is. Humility is not placing ourselves above others. It's putting ourselves on the same level with them. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's putting ourselves on the same level with them. Let me give you a key example. This just popped in my mind. You want to know the number one place that this would be great with is when people come to us and tell us about their struggles. And when I talk about their struggles, I'm talking about when they come to you and say they're struggling with a sin. The one most wonderful thing that could happen is, is that if we had humility and we were able to deal with them out of humility rather than out of, a lot of times what we do is we look down at them. Do you understand? We look down at them rather than saying to them, as, isn't that what Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, that you who are spiritual would deal with people in meekness and gentleness, lest the same happen to you, is that you recognize that given the same circumstances, the same situation, who the guy sitting across you from you or the gal sitting across from you, that could be you. Because you have the, you have the same tendencies and it could be you. 
So you've got to place yourself on their level, not place yourself above them. That's how we're to act for with each other. You know what? I'm going to tell you right now, folks. If all we did was just focus on those five things, it would revolutionize who we are as a church. It would revolutionize your life. So verse 8, he talks about how we are to be towards others. Then we get to verses 9 through 12, and he's going to talk about how we are to be towards the world. And when I say the world, I'm talking about to the folks who are outside of the family of God who don't believe. And do you realize you live in a world that doesn't believe? You live in a world that doesn't care about Jesus. They care about the season for whatever reason, but it's not because of Jesus. So how do you live in that world? Well, if you watch the news lately, a lot of Christians are getting offended and, and getting all worked up and getting protesting and demanding their rights and everything. I'm going to be honest with you, what you see on TV, you're not going to see in the Bible. Because it's not biblical. Well, what is biblical? Oh, are you ready? He's getting ready to tell you here in verses 9 through 12. I'm going to point it out to you in three things. Here's the first one. Okay? Don't retaliate against those who attack you. Ah, all right, George. Yeah, he says that. Look at verse 9. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for revival. Reviling. Okay, that's just one verse. No, actually, folks, it's in every book of the New Testament. Don't seek vengeance. Don't return eye for an eye. Recognize that there's somebody else who will seek vengeance. Who's that? God. Well, you know, if we don't do something, people are going to do stuff to us. Yeah, I know they're going to do stuff to you, but Jesus is calling you to not act the way that they're acting. He's calling you to live differently. So don't retaliate against those who attack you. That's the way the world acts, isn't it? Isn't that how, that's a normal human response that if you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back more. And shame on me if I don't do that. Right? But that's not the testimony of Jesus. And that's definitely not the testimony of the apostles. Don't retaliate. In fact, he's going to ask you to do something. Are you ready for this? That just, that in itself is hard. Okay, let's just stop for a moment. Everybody agree? Being told that you can't take vengeance and retaliate against people, that's hard, right? That's kind of like if a big mosquito comes over here and jumps on my arm and starts sucking out a quart of blood, I'm just going to be like, oh, I'm not going to hit you. No, I'm going to whack it, right? That's just a natural human reaction. And so just doing what he's telling us to do here, that in itself seems what, folks? Impossible. I'm going to fail every time. But look at what he says in verse 9. It goes on there. It's like, oh my goodness, what's he talking about here? Not returning evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, look at what he says, blessing. All right, are you ready for the second one? Here it is. We talk about how our actions are to be towards those outside of the family of God in the world. Bless them because you're called 
to this as a believer. You're to bless them. That in itself is, is, is really hard to grasp. That the people who do me wrong, I'm to bless them. How do you do that? You don't go up to them and say, I bless you. No, no, you pray the blessing of God upon them. It's one of the most difficult prayers that you'll ever pray, is to ask God to bless those who hurt you, right? Now, the reason why you do that is because he tells you right in this passage, because you were called to this. What does that mean? It means that you as a believer, part of being a believer is that you're going to suffer in this world because you believe in who, folks? Jesus. In fact, isn't that what Jesus said? If they hate the teacher, will they not hate his disciples as well? You're called to this. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm completely shocked and amazed when I see Christians on radio or on TV acting like, well, this shouldn't be happening to us. Have you read your Bible lately? This is going to happen to us. If you call on the name of Christ as your Savior, you're going to have people reject you. They're not going to accept that. And how you are to be in the meantime, though, is to what? Bless them. Because you were called to this. You say, how can I bless them? Well, I think one of the other ways that you can bless them is this. Bless them by asking that God would open their eyes so that they would understand the truth. Because right now their eyes are what, folks? If you understand, their eyes are what? Blinded. They can't see. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 talks about that. The God of this world has what? Blinded their eyes so that they don't understand the gospel. So you bless them. Now, he says one final thing, and he does this by quoting a psalm. Verses 10 through 12 are a portion of a psalm. I believe it's Psalm 45. And he says that we're to act this way, not using our speech for evil, but we're to act this way because of something that you and I need to grasp. And this should be the motivation for how you are, not just with each other, but also especially with those who are outside of the church. And here's what he says. I'm just going to read it to you. Look at verse 12, and then I'm going to give you the point. Verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Can I read that to you again? Grasp what he's saying here. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Here's what I want you to see. What's got to be the motivation for you and I, not just to not retaliate against others, also to bless those who would hurt us, is that you understand this one point. And hopefully everyone here does. Here it is. The Lord watches over his children and hears their prayers. The Lord watches over his children and hears their prayers. Do you hear what I'm saying? I want you to hear me. 
You are never alone if you are a believer. And yes, some dude at work is making your life miserable. Or some neighbor or some family member is doing this in your life and it's evil and you want to retaliate. But God's called you to bless him. You're able to do that because you realize that you're not alone and that God is not ignorant of your situation. Why? Because he's with you. He's always with you. And he watches over you. Do you understand me? God watches over you. And he doesn't just watch over you. His ears are continually open for what? Your prayers. I, I was thinking about this. You know, I uh, we have four kids. Our youngest is going to be 16 at the end of the month. But you know what? I'm married. I'm married to a superwoman. Okay? If you know Lori, you know she's a superwoman. Okay? And you want to know what one of her superhuman capabilities was when they were smaller? She had superhuman hearing. Now, I'm a one-track, you know, I'm a dude. I'm one-track minded. I can only think about one thing at a time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like the other day, Maddie called me on the phone. My daughter Madison called me on the phone, and we're talking about something. And then I had to check out at, at a store, and I was like, Maddie, i got to stop. I understand, Dad, you're a guy. Because I had to communicate with a clerk rather than care. You can have, ladies, you can have the conversation while you're doing this stuff. Well, Lori was superhuman, and some of you moms were the exact same way. Everything else could be going on around you, but you had your ear tuned to who? What the kids were doing, right? What the kids were doing. So even though you were doing what you were doing, you were always aware of what's happening with who? The little ones. That's a picture of what we're talking about here. God watches over his children and his ears are open to what? Your cries. Your cries in the midst of it. Isn't that what we do? When stuff happens immediately, we cry out, Oh God, help me. He hears you. So I can be this way. I can not retaliate against those who hurt me. I can, I can bless them. Why? Because God watches over me. You say, okay, George, what do we do with this? How do we wrap this up? Well, let me give you two things to think about, okay? First of all, <clears throat> We've talked about how we're to be with each other as believers. And we've talked about how we're to be towards the world. Well, the only way that's going to happen is if you grasp this first point. Okay? You have to decide to live your life in a way that is different from the culture. You have to decide to live your life in a way that is different from our culture. Because I'm going to be honest with you folks, what he's asking us to do as far as with each other in the church, that's totally anti-cultural. Because in this culture, it's you do it for yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you. If you're going to look out, if somebody's going to look out for you, it's got to be you. Well, that's totally contrary to what he's talking about as far as you being a part of a group of believers, isn't it? 
And that's totally contrary to how you're to respond to, to the world outside of you that's not happy about your faith. Why? Because you recognize that what? God is in control. And he's watching over you. But see, that's going to take a decision on your part that you are not going to respond the way the culture responds. You're not going to get caught up in the age of rage. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're not going to get caught up in the age of rage. Here's the second thing. Recognize that you're not alone because the Lord watches over you. Some of you need to hear that today. Some of you walked in here, you're in the midst of something, you feel like you're going through it all on your own, that nobody else is aware, nobody cares. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you are so wrong. Because if you know the Lord Jesus, and you've committed your life to him to follow him, because you believe who he is and what he's done for you, you are never alone. Never alone. You are not even alone for one second or fraction of a second. He is always with you. He is always watching over you. You're not alone. And you need to grasp that right now. And some of you need to set yourself free from the anxiety and the worry of what you're going through right now because of that one point. You are not alone. So because of that, be who you're supposed to be towards other believers. Be tender-hearted, soft-hearted towards them, loving them, sharing in their needs, being sympathetic, being living in harmony with them. Don't retaliate against those who are outside of your outside of the faith who re, who re, who react towards you. Bless them. Why? Because God's watching over you. That's so important. Let me pray for you.